You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I am so excited, Um, and I want to open with a question. Have you ever asked someone a question... And before you know it, you've gotten a way longer and way different answer than you were originally expecting. Um, You thought you asked someone what their favorite cookie was, and all of a sudden you're hearing about how the deforestation of the rainforest is depleting the cocoa bean. And so you're just like, so so not chocolate chip? You know, and or maybe you ask someone what their favorite color is, but to really understand why it's red. You need to hear their whole life story and hear about their favorite baby blanket that they had growing up. Trust me, we've all been there. Um, And trust me, every church has a person like this. And so, uh, and you probably are all like, yes, yes, I know that person. And if you aren't like, yes, I know that person, chances are you are that person. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, But sometimes a question needs to be unpacked a little bit to get to the heart of the matter. And that's what's happening as we continue uh, in this story that we started last week in Mark uh, with Pastor Ben. So last week, Pastor Ben, he shared about how the disciples, they were eating with unwashed, with dirty hands. Um, And what started as a question from the Pharisees about hand washing, it turned into a story about authority. So that was what Pastor Ben talked about last week, that we do not want to be Pharisees. And, and I watched it and he said, everyone repeat after me. And so we can do it again. Let's say it together. Do not be a Pharisee. All right. One more time. One more time. Do not be a Pharisee. Cause sometimes you just have to say it and like, let it sink in. Um, because that's how I felt. I'm like, Ooh, ah, Ooh, that hurt a little bit. Uh, Jesus challenged two authorities. Uh, not only did he challenge the tradition that the Pharisees were clinging to, but he also challenged the Pharisees themselves and the authority that they had of being God's watchdogs, according to them. Uh, So today we're going to not talk about authority, but we're going to talk about sin, we're going to talk about purity, and we're going to ask ourselves a bigger question. What makes a person spiritually pure or spiritually impure? And when we take a step back away from tradition and we look inside ourselves, and we really get to the heart of the matter, we see that no one is worthy. And it's only through Jesus that we can be made whole again. And so this is where the story continues. We're in Mark chapter 7. If you have your Mark journal, you can open there, and we're going to be in verses 17, or 14 through 23. Uh, so let's jump there and read the rest of the story. Mark 7, verse 14, it says, And he called who? He called all the people to him. And again, Uh, said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. And this is the main idea of the whole story. It says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So Jesus has gone here, he's gone from talking privately to the Pharisees, having a little argument, uh, to addressing everyone in the crowd surrounding him. So what he's saying is important enough for everyone to know and understand. You know, they're talking here, and he's like, wait, everyone, come in. You need to hear this. And afterward, Jesus uh, kind of comes aside, and he pulls the disciples aside to, dis- to explain to them privately uh, what he's saying, because, uh, as we've learned in Mark, they still don't get it. 
Um, but I love this because it's kind of like that kid, uh, and again, you probably all know this kid who in school, he would always ask too many questions. He would always ask every, everything the teacher explained, there was still another question that followed. And everyone always pretending to get annoyed or, or irritated, but really, I think we were all wanting to ask the questions ourselves, and uh, we were just too embarrassed to do so. And not that I'm speaking from experience, um, or anything, uh, but Jesus breaks down, he breaks down what he's saying to the disciples, uh, um, which will help us today. And so starting in verse 17, we'll jump there again. It says, um, and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, which it was in verse 15. And he said to them, then are you also not without, uh, understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From, uh, for from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Man, crazy list. All these uh, evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Uh, let's just open with a word of prayer um, as we continue today. Jesus, we just thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you for these words. Um, let them penetrate us, uh, not just hit us at surface level, but let it, let it go deep today. Uh, we pray that you would challenge us. We pray that this would uh, help us to inspect our own hearts, inspect our own lives, and show us how we might be able to change um, to further reflect who you are to the world. We thank you that you have called the church your hands and your feet, and we do not take that lightly. So we pray that you would challenge us, that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, and after today, uh, that you would send us out into the world to be your ambassadors. Uh, we give you all the praise and glory and honor. And everyone said, amen. 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 Um, so I think it's, it's pretty paradoxical, uh, paradoxical to think uh, that Jesus expanding the Pharisee's question, uh, that that's what he had to do to really get to the heart of the matter, that at the heart of this argument was a question about authority and also about sin and purity. Um, so I saw that there are two ways here uh, we ought to view sin, or maybe not, uh, uh, not ought to view sin. Um, to get to the heart of the matter, we need to not focus on the outside, uh, but rather look within. So the first thing we learn and what we see here is that to get to the heart of the matter, we need to look at more than just the outside. So imagine how different things would be uh, if your sins were somehow manifested on the outside. Like if you were an angry person, for example, let's imagine that every time you got angry, your face would turn, I don't know, the color red. You know, like your favorite baby blanket growing up. Um, you, you know, bad example though, I think every person that gets mad, uh, that might happen. Um, but imagine if when you sinned or when you did something wrong, you physically got dirty, that you showed your sin, or maybe like the scarlet letter, you had to wear that specific sin on your clothing whenever you went out in public. See, this is how the Pharisees in the first century are treating people. But more than that, uh, they were using the words clean and unclean to categorize people. See, they saw themselves as superior for keeping the rules, while they saw others as inferior for breaking them. And as we discussed last week, these are man-made rules. These are traditions. Um, and not only that, 
It ignores the fact that everyone has sinned, that no one here is perfect. But looking at others' dirtiness, sometimes it makes it easier for us to ignore our own dirtiness and our own sinfulness. I mean, we can be honest. We're in a safe place, right? That we do this too, don't we? We might not use the words clean or unclean, but, but we do this all the time. Think about it. Who do we categorize? Are we separating ourselves from, from those around us to make ourselves feel superior while making others feel inferior? Are we making an enemy out of the broken and hurting instead of building a bridge to salvation? If we use shame or if we use guilt or if we use hate as a way to get people not to sin, then we might be building a wall instead of a bridge. If we try to change people before introducing them to Jesus, then we might be building a wall instead of a bridge. And I've heard so many times from so many people because I'm a pastor that people will say, Bobby, I just, I just need to get my life right and then I'll come to church. But the church should be the place where all people are welcome, no matter what they're going through. But when we make it seem like our lives are perfect, when we pretend like everything is hunky-dory in our own lives, we're telling the world that they need to change first if they want to walk through the doors of our church. See, what people need most isn't to sin less. What people need is Jesus. Because he's the only one that brings transformation. So your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, you know, the really nice guy who you have great conversations with, and the worst human being you can imagine in history who's done terrible, ridiculously awful things are still, at the end of the day, both sinners. And so are you. So am I. So if we gossip and we talk about other people's personal lives then we're sinning ourselves. We may think we're better than others or that their sin is worse than ours, but really we might be using their perfections to cover the shame of our own sin. If we call people names on the internet or if we share how we dislike a politician more than we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're building a wall and we're telling the world that we are superior and more deserving of God's love than them. See, one commentator, he said that worldliness excludes God from our lives, which is true. But we must be careful not to exclude the worldly from the love of God. See, when we categorize people and we focus on the exterior instead of looking at the heart, we are further separating them from God rather than drawing them closer to him. See, it's always easier to see the outside faults in others that are taped to them like a scarlet letter or to see the sinfulness in our nation. But it's a whole different story to just take a moment and search our own hearts for our own hate, for our own greed, for our own selfishness. See, this is a big point here that Jesus is making, that when we focus on tradition, when we focus on these outside matters, it allows us to ignore what is really going on in our own lives. That we end up basing our righteousness on others' imperfection rather than on God's standard. And so we become, in this sense, the deciders of who might be worthy of God's love. 
So one question um, or, or something that I use um, to help us overcome this and that I use to help uh, myself overcome this is I ask this question. Am I judging others on their sin more than I'm repenting to God for my own sins? And so maybe that's a question you need to ask yourself. Maybe that's something you need to write down. Maybe that's something as you start the day or as you're about to hit the comment button on Facebook or as you're about to say that thing over the phone, you just need to mutter it to yourself. Am I judging others on their sin more than I'm repenting to God for my own sins? Another question that you might ask, and, and this is further down the line, is do I spend more energy judging others on their sin, or do I spend more energy praying for them as a person? Because I tell you what, it is hard to judge someone or be angry at someone who you are actively praying for. That my heart has gone from judgment, my heart has gone from anger to compassion to brokenness. So many times when I've started praying for someone's wholeness and their family and that God would speak to them wherever they're at. See, that's what Jesus is trying to say here, that we need to stop looking at the outside. To get to the heart of the matter, we need to look within. So that's the second part of this passage, that we need to stop looking at the outside and look inside instead. So when I was originally preparing for this sermon, I was going to open my message with a very mm, specific joke. Um, when reading uh, this passage of scripture, there is a place where Jesus is explaining to the disciples what he means when he says that nothing that goes into a person defiles them, but what comes out of them is what defiles them. And I was going to do a joke of what, you know, maybe we're all thinking, or, you know, maybe you're not thinking it, but I can tell you if you have kids or if there are kids watching on Facebook Live that it's probably something the majority of them are thinking. Um, but we might all be thinking in this passage as Jesus is sharing this that Jesus was talking about poop. Um, because it sounds like that's what he's talking about. And so I thought it might have shocked some people, that it might have really caught people's attention. Um, but then, you know, I, yeah, but then Jesus, he caught my attention as I was studying this week. Because Jesus is talking about poop when he's explaining this passage to the disciples. That after he tells the story to the crowd and the disciples still don't get what's going on, Jesus takes some of his closest friends, these 12 disciples, he brings them in private, and he uses an illustration that literally anyone can relate to, uh, whether we like to admit it or not. So he tells them that when they eat, the food merely goes into their stomachs and then goes into the toilet. And this is literally what the Greek says. And many English translations today, many of the modern translations, they hide it in a footnote. But Jesus says, the toilet. That he's saying that at no point does anything we touch or any food that we eat, it just goes into our stomach and it goes into the toilet and it goes nowhere near our heart. It merely goes in one end and out the other. But it's from our heart, it's from the essence of who we are that we sin. And so how can food defile us? 
So think of it this way. When we focus on outward things, we're merely treating symptoms instead of treating the actual illness. So if you have lung cancer, imagine you trying to treat your cough by taking cough drops. Or imagine if you break out in hives every time you eat a certain type of food that you bought acne scrub for your arms and your chest instead of not eating that food anymore and taking Benadryl. You see, treating the symptoms misses the problem. So Jesus, he's now moving past talking about tradition to really talking about the law of Moses here. It says plainly that he is now making all foods clean. And so food was then, and it is now, for all the Hebrew national fans, it's a big thing that divides the Jewish people from non-Jewish people. And that's because food laws and cleanliness, they're a big part of the law of Moses that's found in the Old Testament. See, it was a way for the Jewish people uh, to set themselves apart from the rest of the world and to keep themselves from being tainted by other religions and other cultures at the time who were so defined by these things. Uh, but Jesus is taking not only this tradition, but he's taking the whole way of life now for the Jewish people and he's putting it on its head. And we'll see this next week as Jesus interacts with someone who is not Jewish, that he is opening the door for all people to come to him. So some of you might be asking, and, and I'm guessing some of you are wondering this in your seat, but Bobby, does that mean then that we can sin and do whatever we want? No. No. There, I answered it. Um, but if we're focusing on fixing our sin, much like focusing on defilement and food laws here, then we are merely treating a symptom. We, we don't just sin. We're sinners. We don't just make mistakes. We're serial mistakers. And Jesus explains it in this passage. From out of our hearts comes all sorts of evil thoughts and evil actions. So changing how we eat doesn't change our hearts. Focusing on only sin is like trying to treat lung cancer with the halls. A commentator, he stated that many religions offer a solution for sin. That many religions can have you pray a certain number of times a day or have you make a sacrifice or some other sort of penance. But Jesus didn't just offer a solution for sin. Jesus offered himself. Because Jesus is himself the cure for sin. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life where every other person who ever lived failed. Jesus succeeded because Jesus never sinned. Jesus never lusted. Jesus never stole. Jesus never broke a promise. He never lied. He never wished someone was dead, even as he himself were dying on a cross. But Jesus did sacrifice himself for those who have lusted, for those who have stole, for those who have murdered and who have lied that Jesus ate with sinners. He had compassion on the broken and the hurting. The only person, the only one who can actually look inside of our hearts, the only one who knows who all of us really are at our core, 
He is the one who unconditionally loves us and has the most compassion towards us. Even when we ramble about the deforestation of the rainforest and the cocoa bean, or we share stories about our favorite baby blankets, Jesus has patience with us because he cares for us. He picks us up, he dusts us off, he forgives us, and he sends us on our way. And only then does he encourage us to sin no more. So in this passage, we see that we need to stop looking at the outside. We need to stop basing our opinions on people based on what we see. We can't hide our inner intentions while judging others for what is on the surface. We cannot continue trying to treat symptoms of sin without looking first to the cure, to Jesus. Um, so I want to ask Liz to come up this morning and play the keys a little bit. And I, and I just, I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you been trying to treat the symptoms without looking to the cure? Are you trying to make changes in your life or in others' lives without Jesus? Are you more worried about your sins that you have missed having a relationship with your Savior? Do we need to look not at the outside, but we need to look at the heart. So let's not fixate on things that don't matter. Let's not get wrapped up in problems when we have the solution because only Jesus knows our hearts that Jesus knows us he knows every thought every intention and he sees you where you're at that we have all sinned that none of us are worthy of God's love of God's forgiveness that none of us are worthy of going to heaven and yet Jesus loves us and yet Jesus died for you and for me. It's only through him and the Holy Spirit that, that we can bring change in our lives. That he gives us power to overcome. That it says victories in his name. We sang that this morning. He gives us a power not to fear and not to live in shame. There's a popular saying, and, and I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it so many other places where it says, Satan knows your name but he calls you by your sin. Jesus, however, knows your sin, and yet he calls you by name. He doesn't call you selfish or hateful or stupid or ugly. He calls you beloved. He calls you special. He calls you child. He calls you friend. He calls you Bobby. He calls you Ben calls you George, calls you Rocky. It's through Jesus that we can overcome. It's only through Jesus that we are forgiven. It's only through him and the spirit that we have strength to love God with all we are, to love others as ourselves. I remember I started going to church whenever I was about 13. Uh, because I was invited by some friends, and, and I definitely wasn't the poster church kid. Um, I was pretty weird. Um, I'm still pretty weird. Um, I was rough around the edges. 
I listened to Metallica, I dressed in black, and at times I was bullied, and at times I was bullied myself at school. But I kept coming back to church because it was the first place I ever felt like I was accepted for who I was. That I knew at my very core that I needed to change. And yet I still somehow paradoxically felt accepted for who I was. That I still felt loved, I still felt accepted, even though I hadn't quite gotten my life back together or my life together at all, I guess. I knew I needed Jesus, and I understood that he was the only one who could change my life. So I want to invite you today uh, to invite Jesus into your life. And so maybe you need him at the very core, at the very base to forgive you. Or maybe you need him this morning to help you to forgive others. Or maybe you need him to help you to see others with his eyes and with his heart. Let's stop judging others for a moment and let's take a real moment to examine our own lives and our own hearts. That transforming the world, transforming our families, reaching the lake shore, all begins when each of us decides to invite Jesus into our own lives, into our church, and into our families. So I want to invite you. Let's pray this morning. Let's seek him. Let's seek his face. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. That every other religion, every other creed, they, they claim that they have the answer for sin. That all we have to do is this or that or the other thing. But we thank you, Jesus, that you have already did it and it's already done. And so we don't have to do this, that or the other thing. We just have to come to you. For anything we're facing, for anything we're going through. And so Jesus, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into this place. We invite you to move in our families. We invite you to have your way and break our hearts, Lord. For the times we don't love others like you've called us to. Break our hearts, Lord, when we try to compare others to our own standard instead of looking at ourselves and seeing how we have fallen short so many times. Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, I just pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who doesn't have a relationship with you, maybe they've been coming to church for years, maybe they've been watching online for months, but I pray that if someone here does not have a relationship with you, if, if someone here has gone the wrong way about having a relationship with you and they've been trying to get their lives right, they've been trying to do this, that, and the other thing, instead of just coming to your feet humbly, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. I pray that they would welcome you in. I pray that you would help them search their hearts help strengthen them. Lord Jesus, we confess that you are Lord. We confess that we are sinners. 
So I just pray that those who don't have a relationship will invite you in, make you their savior, and from that, that they'll make you their Lord as well. Lord, like I prayed earlier, I pray that you would change us. I pray that you would inspire us. I pray that you would convict us. And as we leave this place, I pray that you will send us as well to be your light in a dark place. To be those who comment differently on Facebook. To be those who react differently as we go into a store, as we're treating wait staff, as we go out to eat. I pray that we will stand apart people who love others like you have loved us. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you today. In your name, amen. Amen. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus, uh, we want to encourage you. We want to invite you. You can stop at the Connection Center as you leave, or if you're watching online with us, message us on Facebook, please. We want to connect with you. As you're having a relationship with God, we want to walk alongside you. Um, and if you're new with us as well, we want to encourage you to do the same, to uh, contact us, message us on Facebook, uh, visit our contact page on our website, go out to the Connect uh, Center as you leave if you're here this morning. Um, and as we leave, uh, I just want to invite you, can we just stand together? I want to do a prayer of benediction. And then after I say amen, um, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to have you guys exit from back to front. And then we just want to ask you guys not to congregate in the lobby, but you guys are more than welcome to hang out out in the parking lot if you would like. But thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I pray that uh, this would change us and that we would be a light on the lakeshore throughout the rest of this week. Jesus, uh, we pray that you would go before us, that you would be behind us, that you would be all around us, that you would empower us, and that you would send us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.